welcome to another episode of the World of Wisdom podcast, formerly known as A Dying Podcast. Today, I'm online with Christoph. Welcome. Thank you, Niels. Thank you for inviting me on this wonderful podcast. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's funny how it happened because I was supposed to have Shane Williams, our common friend, on this podcast, which, which I will have. And then he couldn't make it and he mentioned you and um, I got super excited because I'm very interested in you as a human being and, and what you're doing. So the way I always start this podcast for listeners who don't know who I'm speaking to is to ask you the question, who are you? Who is Christoph? <laughs> <laughs> you want to have the human side or the business side? No, anyhow, I'll start with it, the human it, side. It's up to you. <laughs> More interesting. So I always describe myself as a nerd engineer someone who's found computers much more, in the beginning at least, much more interesting than anything else at that point. Because why? Because I felt very misunderstood in the world. And in the in a computer, I could find my own virtual world by programming, creating stuff. And I'm doing that since nine. Now, I was very lucky because when I left university, I was one of these guys being at the exact right spot when the internet was born, let's say. So I started working for the first ISP in the world, building out data centers, and it was a very, very fun period. Everything was possible. Till eventually around 2000, 2002, a lot of things, things went less good. But I have always been extremely passionate about the internet and how it's like a new substrate which can connect us all. And since 2000, I started my own companies. I did some exits. I was a quite successful entrepreneur. And about 10 years ago, I ended up in a midlife crisis, like many of us, I guess. And it was like, okay, what now? Will I build yet another company and sell it? Or can I do something more meaningful with my life? At that time, I met my, I'm remarried. I met my new wife, Isabel, which I'm incredibly happy with. And she brought me also on a new path because she was very sick at that time. She almost died. She had Lyme disease. And I saw the most crazy things happening, like people getting like we were at one point in, in time in a hospital where so many people were supposed to die, but they didn't. And that kind of kicked off a new path in my life, which was like, oh, wait a minute, I have been brainwashed so much in my life. Maybe I have to reconsider a lot and do things differently. And that's where the idea came from to use my technology skills for the good of the planet and build a new internet. And that's what we have been doing since. So whatever I've done in my first half of my life, which was about being successful, I have to say a lot driven from out of ego still, to a place where I said, okay, let's now use everything we've done, knowledge, money, connections for the good of the planet. And that's where we are. Beautiful. And obviously that raises a lot of, of questions and awakens my curiosity. So let's just head straight into this project. And then I sense I might be going back into sort of <laughs> who you are and what drives you. But uh, this project, you are building a new internet. So tell tell me about that. Yeah, that sounds like a weird thing to say, no? I, I love it, but, but I guess um, it could sound weird. <laughs> well, when, when the internet got started, it was truly amazing. I, I remember the feeling in the beginning, everything was possible. You could just go any place. In the beginning, actually, you could literally surf to any site, which I did at one point in time. And um, that was possible. And it was amazing how it, it grew so quickly and more people started adding content and lines. And it was truly a peer-to-peer -peer hippie movement. And everyone had these beautiful visions about how this internet could actually provide for a better world. 
And that got me going so massively about, okay, how can I be part of that? How can I build data centers to support it? How can we build better technology? And it's kind of funny, we even did some world records at that time, but anyhow, that's another topic. But then we came to the point today that we said, like, where, where is this internet today? It became just like the rest of this planet, a place which is not that nice anymore. We became a product. We are daily on our phone. We could say that this makes us like a cyborg because we cannot live without a phone anymore. But yet still, our digital life is not owned by us. But isn't that crazy? So we let ourselves to become, become like a cyborg and we kind of don't bother that our data and our digital life is owned by companies or more than companies basically abusing us. And that I find that absolutely crazy. And the second thing is that the internet by itself became very vulnerable. It's so centralized that if a couple of cables would be cut because everything goes to some American or Chinese or other data centers, literally the internet as we know it stops functioning. And that's crazy. I'm now on Ibiza. If, if the line between Ibiza and, and Spain would go down, I would expect the internet around me still to be here. I would expect still to be able to communicate with the people on this island, but that's not true. So that's where the mission comes from. We want to rebuild an internet, which is not like that. And basically there are three things we want to do differently. One is that today in the world, half of the people do not have equal chances. Half of the people do not have equal access to information, education, the internet by itself. So there is a huge inequality. If you would be someone in a refugee camp or in a township like in Africa, it would cost you like half of your salary to have crappy internet. And that's completely ridiculous. So number one is it needs to be anywhere in the world, close to where the people are, and anyone needs to have equal chances. Because this internet is, in my opinion, the only thing which can set us free in the current world. The second thing is to do with data sovereignty, or we call it autonomy, which has to do with data ownership. The fact that today we voluntarily allow companies to use our data however they see fit and to make a huge business out of it. And that's crazy. So this cannot be the case anymore. You need to have your own, we call it digital twin. It's going to be branded crystal twin, by the way. And um, there the idea is that you are completely autonomous. You are the only person having access to your data, to your applications, to your full digital life. And we're very far there, extremely far. It's not blockchain, right? We can talk more about the specific things. And the third thing is to do with energy usage. The internet uses 10% of the world's electricity, 10%. It needs to grow three or four times. There is almost no capacity in Africa, South America, and so on. Can you imagine we would go to 30, 40% of electricity usage for data centers? That's absolutely insane. So to put it in a nutshell, we've, we are building a new, data, a new internet, which is owned by all of us which has a solution for these three things. Fantastic. And it, two things that just comes to mind is, well, I actually, when you, when you speak about how vulnerable our current internet is, I read an article in, I guess, in, in Vice magazine a couple of years back where they had outlined just how vulnerable it is and came to the conclusion that 12 people with access <laughs> could actually cut it down. <laughs> fairly, fairly easily and simplistically. Uh, so it's just like interesting that it's actually that vulnerable. And then to me, just this process of how things evolve and develop where a new solution to a problem arises or a new opportunity, like when the first internet came. And then 
after a while, the shadow sides of that development starts showing themselves. And that's once again, what we're, we're seeing here. And I'm obviously curious about how, both from a technical point of view, how, how this internet that you're building actually works and also how far, how far you've come in this project. Like, is it live yet? <laughs> yes, it's live. Um, so there, yeah, absolutely. But before we even go there, you, you, you were saying it's crazy how projects get in a way hijacked and become something less nice than at the beginning, right? Now, I have been thinking about that a lot and I even made a curve about it and I call it the curve of life. And I think it's really important and relevant for this talk and then everything else will become much clearer afterwards. In the current world or our life, how we have been brainwashed from the day we are born, we have always been taught that efficiency is the main thing in our life. We have to do everything more quickly, more efficient. That's like the most important thing, right? And if we look in this world, like think about money. Money is incredibly efficient. You can create it out of nothing, right? That's at least what they do. So, which is really insane actually. Now, that's not the case in nature. In nature, there is a balance between efficiency and resilience. And in nature, there is actually three times more um, importance to resilience than efficiency. But we as humans forgot that because we're so brainwashed to only go for efficiency. How can I do more? And that basically is what kills everything. And that's why we have the boom and bust cycle. That's why as an example, we start the beautiful project internet, what happens? Greed or striving to too much efficiency gets us to this incredibly centralized approach. And the more things are centralized, the more they become vulnerable. And you can see this in companies, uh, countries, even governments, the more centralization and the more efficiency, the more vulnerable. And then they crash. And then you always go over to the other side of the spectrum again, where because as humans or nature, we are very resilient and we will recover. And that's exactly what happens now with blockchain as an example. So it became so too efficient or too centralized that the world came up with blockchain. But that's what, what do you see in blockchain? That's so not efficient anymore that actually it's not even that useful. It's useful for certain things like money. But for building something like our internet, it's absolutely not ad adequate. So why do I explain this? Because the way how our system works is like nature, where we're trying to find the balance between its efficiency and the resilience. And what has most balance? Well, look how our body works. It's cells, millions of cells working together. And it's these cells working together who make organisms, right? Who make like a uh, an organ in our body and the organs make up our body and together our our own human being goes into a city and we make a country so actually it's the reverse of what we have been taught because we have been taught it's all about efficiency and survival of the fittest but i don't believe in that i do not believe in survival of the fittest i believe in something much nicer which is people working together collaborating building something bigger and that's what the internet is about that's how our cells and our body work as well it's not survival of the fittest every cell by themselves has memory knows how to function can communicate with the other cells and because of that all together they create something more beautiful and that, that's what we've done so we're basically 100 percent linked to that idea that all of us together need to co-create this new internet so how does it work Anyone can buy any piece of hardware, a server, a computer, anywhere, right? Because we're just software and it's open source. You download the software, you put it on that machine, 
you power it on, you power it to the power, to the network, which is a, the current internet, you turn it on, and now you've extended the internet. Sounds simple, right? So it's not blockchain, like I said. We use quite some blockchain technologies inside to make it happen. But the origin of this is that every person gets what we call this digital twin. So you, you get an avatar. This avatar needs energy. It needs IT capacity, compute and storage and networking. And that is being delivered by the boxes that you can basically buy and provide. So if you become a farmer, so you are the person connecting a box, we call that a farmer, then you get tokens. We have our threefold tokens, which are basically our currency of this new internet. And that's the economic incentive for farmers to put capacity. Is it live? Yes. We have 18,000 CPU cores live and we have 90 million gigabytes of storage live. We actually have today, well, it was measured about six months ago, but at that time we had 10 times more capacity live than all of the blockchain projects together. Now that probably says more about blockchain than about us, but yet still it's a lot of capacity live. We're now launching the second generation of it, basically, which has these two levels. So there is a level of capacity, which means that anyone in this world can port any project they have onto this network of capacity. So you can leverage the extended reach of the boxes. It's less power use, the usage, it's more secure. Or you can leverage the power of your digital twin. And that's where we eventually we want to go to is with that every person gets their digital twin. And now you have this beautiful network of eventually billions of digital twins, just like cells in our body, all directly talking to each other. And a digital twin can be thousands of terabyte big, or it can be small, depending what your need is. But it, just like a cell, depending your need, it can be smaller or bigger, and it will talk with the other cells and provide freedom. So that's a little bit how it works. Wow. And what's also coming up for me in, in what you mentioned when you started to explain this is the survival of the fittest thing is, is if you actually look at what, what Darwin said, what the actual quote is, it's not about survival of who, who is the strongest. Fittest, by fittest, he actually means who is the most adaptable, who fits better into the puzzle of the ecosystem. So it's, it's actually, if you fit into your ecosystem, which means you bring a lot of energy and resources into the ecosystem, you will thrive because it's collaborative. Right. I think there's also something, okay. I, like what you, I like what you said about how things, you know, things we create, they tend to, to break down <laughs> after a while. And to me, I think there are two reasons for that. One is that that's the natural process. Something gets created and then it, it, it crumbles and that becomes the foundation for something new to grow. But if you look at just from the, the point of view of humanity and the human psyche, I have this simple pet theory that, that everything we do is either from love or fear. <laughs> uh, and to make it very simple and, yeah, and our, uh, yeah. And our current society is very much a fear-based society. If you look at how it's structured, uh, you know, we, we set up these boundaries and we have a lot of institutions, which is about, you know, creating safety because there's lack of trust, you know, there's insurance and banks and, and brokers and all of these middlemen, uh, which is also obviously why, why blockchain has, has arised. But, one aspect of, of solving trust is uh, obviously to, to create technology that helps us do it. But the other uh, aspect of it is what's happening inside of us. This sort of global race in consciousness that is happening allows us to tap more into love than fear and, and allows us to start trusting the process rather than trying to just like lock everything inside. And I think that is what has happened to 
Facebook and Google and all of these companies is no matter what the intention was, like everybody has a good intention, but if we're stuck in a fear-based system, sooner or later, whatever you build within that system will crumble because it, it, the fear will sort of take over because the system sort of takes over whatever you're trying to create. So we need to build ourselves out of the fear-based system, uh, which it really sounds like you, you guys are doing. Yeah, but people don't even re- most people don't even realize that they are kind of brainwashed and in that cycle. If you look as an example in certain countries where they find it very normal that you abuse, as an example, a contract. It's like, oh, it's normal if I can abuse my contract and that way get what I need. That's just being a smart businessman. No, it's not. It's not normal. And this, and, but look, I'm an engineer, right? So I look at it very binary. And in this curve of life, what I put at the left side for me is what you said, fear. The efficiency, ego, greed. To me, I put it all in one back bucket. It's kind of more easy. But then if you look at the other side, it's all about love, right? It's about giving each other respect. And it's it's I do agree with you, it's actually that simple. From the moment you can go away from the fear and go into the love, everything else just kind of stops. But unfortunately, you were talking about consciousness. Um, I agree with you there as well. Consciousness needs to race. It's the only thing which can save this planet. And, but I see this on three levels. There is the physical consciousness, which is nature, energy, whatever we see around us. And yeah, we kind of know that if that doesn't change, it won't last long. But the second thing, uh, at least as important, is our personal consciousness, right? spirituality. But I add a third to it, which is the digital consciousness. Because today, this digital substrate, this internet, you can think about it like a new way how to be and thanks to corona we experience it more than ever but this digital universe is also very poor at this point and unconscious and that's what i see as my life's mission is trying to help to pour that love onto the internet that people don't need to feel scared that they they can trust the information sources they see that they're not just getting dopamine addicts, that basically they find their freedom on top of this beautiful new internet, which allows them to be a complete human being. And that's why I live, frankly. Anything I do, literally any minute of the day, seven on seven goes to that thing. How can we yeah, give people a more free digital universe again? Hmm. Which is beautiful. And, and, and dearly needed and i'm curious so beyond how this works just from a technical point of view what you're talking about now in in you know okay you you want people to be able to trust the information they see on this internet and if we simplify things start acting from a place of 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 love rather than fear is there anything built into your system that sort of helps that Obviously, we need to do our personal work, and and you know, if I if I don't do that, I might just end up being a, an internet troll or trying to abuse people on whichever internet I'm on, so to speak. So, but I'm curious that, um, yeah, what are your thoughts around that? Absolutely. So first, we did not try to mimic what's out there today, uh, because otherwise, you just move something from A to B. Just like today, there are a lot of Facebook clones. But yeah, it's at the end just another Facebook maybe a little bit different UI, but it does not change the fundamental principles in which we can collaborate or communicate in a new peer-to-peer system. 
I use the word peer-to-peer -peer a lot because what we're building is really peer-to-peer. -peer. It's about person-to-person, person-to-group of people. We call them circles. So today you can mainly find things about our threefold about the internet, which is the capacity. But actually in a couple of weeks, there will be much more information available about the crystal twin or the crystal universe. And there will be much easier for people to also read how it's being built and how it's fundamentally different. Now, to give you a couple of sneak previews of, of how that will work on top of our new internet is that, so it starts with you and around you, you have circles. And we give them all crystal terms. And why crystal? Because it has to do with spirituality again. And it's also some, some channeling I was doing around that. And just like I, I had lots of, I wrote all of that down in a sort of like one hour kind of thing. And I was like, oh, that's what I need to do. But anyhow, so it's all about a crystal. So as an example, we have a crystal room. So a crystal room would be a place where we come together virtually, it could even be VR, virtual reality later, where we can meet each other, talk to each other, and there is a crystal wall. And on the crystal wall, we have our priorities. We have our tasks. We, we can communicate with the people in the room what we're going to be focused on. And then we have the crystal books, and the crystal books are basically our knowledge. right? And we also have a crystal mirror. And what is the crystal mirror? That keeps us healthy and safe. And also it lets us be a little bit critical on ourselves because not just ourselves, but our circles. So we have crystal circles who can help us to look into the mirror. So we can say, oh, wait a minute, I'm, I'm talking about this. I'm pretending to maybe know a lot, which I don't, or the, maybe the other way around. I know much more than what I do. So this mirror helps me together with my friends, with my circles, to get the best out of myself without losing myself to greed or, con or control or fear or any of those things. So that crystal mirror is a very important part of this crystal universe rebuilding because our reputation at the end is the most important thing in our digital life. And this will allow us to, if we make an article or a, or, or a page in the book, in the crystal book, if people read about it, they can know, oh yeah, it comes from Christoph and more people trust the guy to say what he really thinks and he is not known for faking something, right? So basically people will get, thanks to the crystal mirror, will get a certain view on who I am, what I do and what my reputation is. Now, if I would abuse that, my reputation would go down. In our system, we put a lot of energy in, how can we make sure that you cannot fake to be a being you are not? So as an example, one of the things we do is peer verification, is that you have to find friends who basically will forge for you that you are you and your information is correct, much more than just your name, right, or your email, but really about, is Christoph really who he pretends to be? And that creates circles of trust. And that is very different to what we know today. So basically, we're trying to make it very difficult for fake news or fake people to basically do something. Now, there could be situations that it's important to be anonymous. You never know. And that's also something which we do support. So your crystal twin can make babies. So you get the crystal twin baby. And that maybe is an anonymous one, right? But yet still, it's bound to the same rules of the crystal mirror of, of the reputation. So even if you would publish information to that anonymous twin of yours, Yet still, people can learn how to trust it over time. So it could be like, oh, but this guy, it really makes a lot of sense what he's talking about. And for good reasons, he doesn't want to be known because maybe he's talking about something which he's scared about, right? And we can do this because it's not a blockchain underneath. It's literally digital twins talking to each other or the crystal twins talking to each other. And we have a sort of like phone book. So basically, just like the old days, remember those where you had to 
I'm old enough to still have that, where you had to look for a phone book in your home. It was like, okay, I want to call my friend. That's a telephone number, right? We did the same thing digitally. So basically, there is a digital phone book, and that's where we still use blockchain technology. And that digital phone book has your, what they call public encryption keys, which basically means that if the crystal twins talk to each other, they can 100% for sure guarantee that the information they send from one to another cannot be hijacked or cannot be uh, faked. And if your crystal twin gets information from my trust crystal twin, it can automatically verify, yes, indeed, it came from Christoph because that's the only person having my private key. So we can reestablish proof of authorship and, and, and make sure that people cannot fake. And that's an important thing. And to round off on this, because I can talk for hours just <laughs> on the crystal twin, uh, because it's such... I mean, it's such a, uh, yeah, a, a concept which I believe is important for us. But there is also going to be a crystal exchange. Today, a lot of bad things happen because of we allow companies to lock us in. Like, let's say, uh, Airbnb. What is the real added value of an Airbnb? Well, the fact that there is a web page showing my apartment, that by itself should not be that expensive, is it? No, they can make their money because of the fact that I locked us in. The fact that they, that if we want to do that, we have to go to them and they own our pictures and our information. And it's the lock-in who basically allows them to do what they do. And that goes for pretty much any internet service out there today. Even if you look at digital exchanges today, crypto exchanges, there's a lot of abuse there. And the same thing, what is their business model that lock you in, right? Now imagine there is another exchange, an exchange where there is no one in the middle, zero people, zero instances. And you can exchange anything, not just money, but you can exchange a service or information or money with anyone else in the world. You can find anyone else in the world and then completely free in linked with your crystal mirror, which means that now, as an example, there is the the, the Corona thing, I'm on a pizza, I need potatoes or more toilet paper. So basically, I can just say, look, I need more potatoes, right? And the farmer around can say, look, I have plenty of potatoes and I can't sell them right now. Okay, match happens. And then we use something technical called atomic swaps to make that safe. But let's forget that. Let's just say that it's safe. Mm -hmm. So now the farmer can exchange something with me with all safety and by even doing in a transaction, our reputation will go up for this kind of thing because now people will know, oh yeah, for buying potatoes from this farmer, already so many people did, they trusted it, they got it, and so on, right? Now think the implications of that. Now anyone in the world, if you are a refugee in a refugee camp and you know how to code or write a contract, you can now, just like that, without anyone in the middle, start providing value for someone at the other side of the world and basically value can be exchanged. And you know that no one can benefit from you doing that transaction. Wow. Wow. And these um, circles of crystal twins, is that basically like a fractal structure? No, it's really a circle. It's like, actually, to be exact, it's more a sphere. If yeah. you would put it in... <laughs> 3D environment. 3D. <laughs> right? Also spirituality. It would be a sphere. And you are the center of your sphere. And you can create more than one but I go back to the name circle because at the end it still needs to fit on a piece of paper or on a screen. But they're literally circles. They are groups of people, people which you put in a circle. And then in a room, it's basically a combination of a circle with a topic. 
So you could say, look, I have a crystal room about, I'm just saying something, my classroom, classroom of my kids. That's a crystal room. Or it could be a football club, or it could be just some project for work. And the crystal room is your virtual representation where a circle works around a specific topic. Hmm. And anything to do with that topic, to do with knowledge, agenda, or information flow is linked to that room. And why do we do it like that? Because we're going to a more digital world and, and this, this COVID thing is not going to be over soon. So we need to restore the way how we as humans are more productive. And it's not by going to a pyramid system top down where we tasks are being given to us from the morning till the evening. No, when, when do we work best? If, if a group of people go together for something and they are close to each other, right? Then mm. we can do anything. And this is exactly what we do digital. So basically it's a group of people who together say, yes, we're going to move the world. And you don't want these groups to become too big either because then it doesn't work anymore. So what we're doing is actually, we're not inventing anything. What we're doing is just listening to nature, listening to the universe, and basically trying to map that to new structure. And how crazy it may sound, it has never been done before. Don't it's, ask me why. Well, well you know, <laughs> because the time for it is now, probably. I what comes to me, there's something interesting here. Uh, in World of Wisdom, we're, we're right now playing with an idea that came from this concept of fractal circles, which is a way to, a super simple way to uh, funnel information, innovation processes and thought processes through an entire community, but using small circles. Yeah. So for instance, in, in this case, uh, and this might be already something that, that is part of your idea, but in any case, it, I think it's interesting to bring up. You have a, a, a crystal room, so it's a circle of people uh, for a specific topic. So for instance, if we wanna, if we wanna get creative around you know, water shortage in a certain part of the world or any type of challenge, that could be the topic. Uh, right. And we're in a room of, of X number of people. And then there might be a lot of people on this planet who are actually interested in the same thing. Uh, and, and just your point, instead of creating this huge room, which will be chaotic, um, mm -hmm. we have many smaller rooms. But we could actually do a process where we say, okay, let's, let's try to come up with um, the best ideas uh, as a collective and that each room basically says, okay, let's, let's narrow it down to maybe two ideas from our room. And then we pick one member of our room to be the spokesperson. And then all the rooms do that. And then all the spokespersons go into an, a next layer of circles. And then you keep going until you basically just have one circle with a, a few ideas that have been funneled through the entire community. And then you could actually like funnel it back into the entire community saying, here, here, is the, here are the five top ideas that we as a community came up with. And now we want to activate everybody who's interested in, in making this come to life, potentially. Yeah. No, yeah, very close. Um, indeed, we, we're trying something like that. But for how the circles by themselves work, we, we took a lot of ideas from actually open source development called Scrum. Um, and we believe it can be applied on these circles because what you want is a loose system, but you'll have many, many, many circles and the circles need to be at service of each other, right? This goes back to the love part. It's mm -hmm. not about what do you want from another circle? It's more about how can I be of service of another circle? And as such, I become a more important circle because more people 
want to have what I am providing, which is a very different concept than what we're used to. And as such, we can all be stakeholders of other circles. A little bit to what you said, actually, Niels, which is, I said, okay, you know, I have my circle, but maybe I need something from another circle. Or they're thinking about another topic. Maybe I can give them some ideas or I can, yeah, maybe in a brainstorm, join them or something. And that's what we call stakeholders. So every, all these circles can, the people by themselves can be stakeholders of other circles. Mm. And then in the circle, you have the members who basically execute on it. But some circles can be more about, okay, we provide information and going to put it on documents. Or maybe another circle is more about, we need to provide some code so it can make happen. So you can have very different types of circles, but they still need each other because the guys coding maybe need to, to, yeah, the information, right? And then at the end, the people who had the ideas, maybe another circle who needed for a specific topic. So you get lots of circles being intertwined. They, they overlap, if you want, and they need each other. And what is a little bit different than other systems is that you have to uh, standardize the way how you communicate between those circles. So you cannot give people freedom of a tool or a communication mechanism because it would be the same like a Chinese trying to do business together with a Belgian guy and there is no, there is no common language, right? So you, you need a common language so that the circles know how to communicate and how to exchange stuff. And exchanging, that's why the crystal exchange is not just about money. It's about anything. It's how circles can exchange stuff. Maybe they exchange information, the ID, or maybe they exchange money or whatever, anything. Yeah, it's a new way of how to look at digital life. Mm. And it's it it and it it perfectly mimics a forest or a garden, yeah, which works in exactly the same way. Absolutely, it's just <laughs> which, nature, which it, which which makes total sense. And it's obviously like in this shift that we're now experiencing in society. There's also, I mean, there's the the, the raising consciousness. Uh, there's a lot of these things happening at the same time. But it's also this. A shift in the viewpoint of society where we go from industrialism where everything is just a machine <laughs> and now we're we're moving into this more nature-like yeah. perspective on ourselves which yeah. is it's also kind of surprising once now that we're here that humanity hasn't thought of themselves as being nature <laughs> prior to yeah. this but it's I, I mean that's always the case right when we look backwards everything now seems so so obvious yeah. uh, but well, we just some- haven't been ready for this yet I agree. Now, the difficulty we had is because this part, this part of the, the crystal twin, okay, that's a complicated thing to make, but it's not even that complicated. But the main issue we had is how can you get this, this thing to become alive? Where do you put it? Because now you have all these digital twins. Where do they live? Yeah. Do you have to put them on your own computer as a piece of software? Yeah, that's kind of hard. Now you expect everyone to be an IT expert. Do you need to buy some piece of hardware and you will put it on a piece of hardware? That also doesn't seem very obvious because then how do you make sure the data cannot be lost and that it's energy efficient and you can always get to it. And that's why we had to create this new internet as well, the capacity layer, because without this capacity layer, the digital twin or the digital crystal, uh, the crystal twin, sorry, cannot basically be alive. And the most difficult thing we had to do there was to make this new internet autonomous. Because if you expect everyone to be an IT expert, they won't fly. But have you ever seen an IT system being autonomous, like self-driving, self-healing? Well, I haven't. And that's why we had to reinvent. That's literally something we are working on for more than 20 years. Starting with another purpose in mind. It wasn't the current purpose. But how can you build a system, an IT system at the end, which doesn't require people to be and that's where we got very, very, very far. For storage, we're like 100% there and for compute, we're getting there. But that's what we have out there today, which is that now people can host their IT workloads, 
so basically their applications, in such a way that hackers have no chance that it will use a lot less energy uh, and that basically it will just keep on running. It will self-heal itself back to our nature again. It needs to be able to recover uh, because if you need an engineer to fix a broken disk and recover your, I mean, that just doesn't make sense. It needs to be like an organic being. Okay, we lost a couple of cells, no problem. There are other cells being grown and up. They just, they just continue, right? That's mm. basically a regenerative system. And I love how that, because the narrative around that has primarily been focused around the resources of this planet, that we're, you know, abusing the planet, we're abusing nature, and we need to start thinking in a circular and regenerative way in how we deal with resources. But it obviously makes total sense to have the same mindset for our technology. That that all aspects of this existence, of, of this planet, of humanity, we need to have that mindset from the from the individual level to the global scale, whether it's farming or technology, it must be fully regenerative. That's fascinating. I haven't heard that narrative in terms of technology very much. So that also makes this very, very, very interesting. I, I, there are, they even have a fancy name for it, but I forgot it. But there are now more and more companies looking into that direction to model based on nature. Uh, which I'm very happy about because it's it's the right thing to do. How it's can bi- we be- biomimicry? Could that be the word? Yeah, it's something like that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. How can we be smarter than millions of years of evolution? Right. So we can better listen to it. <laughs> yeah, I think that. I mean, that's it's an interesting. It's a phase where we're we're shifting uh, to some extent into listening more. You know, we we listen in words. It's it's kind of like I I, I sometimes use the analogy when you look at technology that. Um, humanity is growing up with technology, and and when a new type of technology is created, then we are we're we're children with that. Uh, if you look at how we used Facebook in the early days, we were like throwing sheep and poking each other. Uh, and then if you if you look at how people are using VR, the first time they try VR, what they do is they 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 are amazed that they can pick up an object. And then the second thing they do is they try to throw that object. It's, it's like <laughs> two year old behavior, right? <laughs> and, and then uh, if you look at social media in the past years, it's uh, we've been tweens or teens. It's all about ego. It's like me, 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 like me, like me. I want to fit in. I want to be accepted and 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 have that. And now we're transitioning past that with that type of. Uh, of technology and it's kind of it's kind of fun to look at technology that way because it explains so much obviously we don't know what to do with this new thing and then the where we are in terms of of the conscious development will just impact how we use technology so it's all intertwined into this and to this holistic system of of everything absolutely <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious about since threefold this new internet is, is live in terms of onboarding, uh, like where, where, how, how is that being done? Uh, how, do, what's your thoughts around how to get people onto this new internet? Yeah. Um, well, f- we first need to make distinction between the two layers. So the la- one layer is capacity, which is just think about it like cloud. If today you have an application you need to host somewhere, you can do it with Google, Amazon, whatever, right? Or you can go and use something like ours, which would be more cost-effective, better for the planet, more energy-efficient, more secure, and stuff like that. So it's a new way of how to do cloud as well. And on that, you can, you can basically host any existing application. So anything which can run on Linux can run on this cloud. 
Uh, we made standard. Uh, we are using standards like Docker, Kubernetes, whatever certain things people, IT people will understand. So they, it's easy for them to basically move that. And that's phase number zero, let's say, which is kind of today. So today, people can use our capacity layer uh, to basically do things with. Think about it like a solar panel. We're now rolling out solar panels, right? And the solar panels will provide electricity to the people around, and you can use the electricity for anything you want, right? So that's one. Um, and then, yeah, of course, the farmers, the people who put the capacity, they get tokens because they have the capacity connected and people use the capacity. So that's like use case number one. Use case number two, there we are now working with more than 20 blockchain companies, which, uh, and there will be many more, which want to use this capacity because there is a big problem in blockchain, which is today you have to choose between scale and security. And that's why even a lot of blockchains are hosted on clouds like Amazon. And that to me doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So they need another technical substrate, um, IT infrastructure layer, if you want, on top of which they can do this much more safe. And we have already like 20 partners who are looking to move their nodes into our infrastructure. And that way uh, they become better for the planet. We can help them to do things faster, more scalable, and, and for sure more secure. So that's the second thing. And the third thing, that's eventually, what is the purpose of all of this? That's the crystal twin. So number one and two is happening as we speak. And the number three will, will start happening in a couple of weeks where all of us will be able to, actually, it's very funny. You will not be able to buy your crystal twin. You will only be able to get one for free. So the only way how you will be able to get a digital twin is that you donate it to someone else. So basically, you will have to buy at least 10 crystal twins and give nine of them away to your friends and that give you one. So basically, you can donate one to yourself. So why do we do this? Because it's about this giving again. It's about you. Of course, it will all be not expensive and stuff like that. But the, the aim is that people say, yeah, I like this new way of thinking. It's important that we, and yes, there will be evolution. We will not have everything they want. But the fact that we are conscious about a new internet where we do exist and where no one can ever abuse our digital being. Because as far as I know, I don't know pretty much anything else which works the same way of what we're trying to do. There are things like we partner with them, them like Holochain. That's another project which thinks the same way. It's beautiful. We partner, we work together. Um, so that, that's a good other example of where basically we do it like that. But for the rest, I don't know any. So people having this notion of, yes, it, it, it should not be a centralized system. Yes, they can promise me that they will deal better with my data and they will be better. And no, 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 forget that. It needs to be that the risk is not even there. We just need to have our full digital life close to us. And that's the third thing, which is basically people onboarding on this network saying, yes, we will be a proud, we call it uh, a crystal nation citizen. So there will even be a declaration of, we don't know what yet, but sort of like we are a crystal citizen. We are basically part of this overarching new world where we will be, um, have a lot of respect for each other. Well, love will be, the primary thing and as such the, the crystal twin will be our digital being and we hope that that one we, we want to have more than a million of them before the end of the year of these uh, crystal twins hmm. it's interesting uh, this becoming a, a citizen that is a, a belief i share that that in where we are right now in in human development that is the way to run things to agree on on 
common principles or guidelines. That's 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 what we're doing with World of Wisdom as well. And I know a lot of people are too. Instead of putting people at the top or putting just something that is very general, you, you put something that's somewhat specific, but also yeah. there's a lot of room for interpretation, but that you can come back to when there's friction and say like, well, we agree to this. What does that mean for you? What does that mean? I agree. Yeah, this is, uh, it's fantastic. Fantastic. So if anybody wants to, to join this, <laughs> this shift, where do they, where do they go? How, how do they go about becoming part of this? Yeah, today you can go to threefold.io. One of the things we need to do very quickly is to have some better call to actions. We are doing this uh, token launch. So we, the tokens exist for two years. So we, we never did an ICO or an IEO. We never printed tokens. It's all the result of farmers providing capacity. But now we have, um, basically, we're bringing this, this onto some public exchanges and it's also on the Stellar network. So if you go to our threefold.io website, you can help the project a lot by buying some of those tokens. Now, this is a token kind of backed by internet capacity. Legally, I'm not allowed to call it back, but still there is a relationship between the token and the capacity on the grid. So you know it's a very reliable token. And if people like this token, not only are you acquiring something which has value, but it also helps the project around us to basically make the Crystal Twin happening. Because Crystal Twin has no revenue, no margin purpose by itself. This is just a gift to the world. No one will make money out of creating this crystal twin and everything around that. That's what we are doing. Everything which comes out of it, it's in a, it's in a non-for-profit, which go back to the non-for-profit, but yet still we need to create it. And that's why we need people to buy our threefold token on the threefold.io website, because that's the funding we need to basically finish this crystal twin. And also if people preserve the crystal twin, they can have a name. That's another cool thing. You can have your name now in this and you can choose it, right? So you better hurry a little bit. <laughs> so, but then that way, that yeah, you, you can give it away to your friends and then your friends can pick their own names. You really give a gift because they'll have their name on this thing. And that also is done by the same threefold tokens. So that way we can, we can sponsor this, this project. Fantastic. Yeah, I don't want to take too much of your time, but is there anything else that you want to mention or anything else that's, that, that you're passionate about right now that's, uh, you know, where your energy is headed. Yeah, I, I don't like to use fear, but yet still a little kick is probably needed. Maybe not for the people who listen to this podcast because they're maybe already there. But if I see how 99.9% of the people just use the internet and not even think about how it works and what's behind, and this needs to change. This is not, the planet needs help and choosing to help the planet needs to be a choice. And you cannot do this by not doing anything. So basically, we need people to wake up and, and tell people around them, wake up, don't stay part of a Facebook or anything centralized, not just Facebook. Anything centralized on this internet needs to go because it's the only way that the internet will remain. If we're not going to do that, actually, very soon, we will not have an internet anymore. We will just be little puppets in a big sort of AI-driven machine and I guess that's not what we want, right? So maybe that's my ask to everyone listening to this thing. Tell your friends, tell people around you that this is not, it's not for me. It's not for our company. We have nothing to win out of this, but the planet has a lot to win out of this. We have to, a lot to win out of this. We need this, this internet back. And you need to tell people around you that this needs to happen and that we'll have to switch. Thank you. Thank you. This is, um, this has been, um, eye opening and very interesting. 
uh, for me. And it fits. It's, it's another piece of this puzzle that is currently laying itself through us. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for being such, a, such an important piece. And I, I can't wait to, to follow this project and see where it takes us as humanity. <laughs> thank you so much, Niels. Thank you. Thank so you. Much.